Welcome to Real Footnotes. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brian. And this is Minisode number five. So, Brian, how's the podcast going so far? You're the keeper of the podcast statistics. How are we doing? Way better than I would have ever imagined at this stage. We thought that 1,000 for our first season would be success, and we've mm-hmm. got 4,000 now. Ooh, it's and like the resolution on my television. Yeah. I mean, so people seem to enjoy it. Did you get it, Brian? For my... 4K? Yeah. You got it? Yeah, I, you got I the got joke? it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Did you understand well, people... my joke, Brian? I did understand your joke, Jeff. But people seem to enjoy it, but my dad still thinks that we curse a little bit too much. So Yeah, my parents think the same. Although, you know, it's really funny. They think you curse too much because they have a mental block hearing me curse. So That's funny. My, my mom said the exact same thing. She's like, your, your co-host swears a lot more <laughs> than you do. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I swear all the fucking time. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyways, dad, get back on the Mayflower. <laughs> uh, happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. A couple of people commented that our feelings about long distance recording actually flipped between the veto episode and the Auber episode. So here's what we said in the veto episode. Uh, like, we hope to keep it improving, but it's obviously been a logistical nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's ah, not that bad. But by the Auber episode, your feelings had changed. Okay, so if we're looking at a way to make the show better, why don't you move away from Honolulu? There's not a goddamn quiet room on that island and if this doesn't so, so so it seems right and if it doesn't change soon i'm gonna have a totally new feelings about the movie pearl harbor anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry hawaii we love you uh, so <laughs> we're working it out long distance relationships are never easy and someone in brian <laughs> <laughs> and someone in brian's apartment building was actually doing a bathroom renovation which was generating a bunch of noise and it meant that we had trouble finding enough quiet time to actually get the recording done yeah, that episode was an absolute beast. It was it was really, really, really frustrating on both of our parts because when you can't have silence when you're trying to record, you can't record. Right. So uh, we got through it. We, we struggled, but we got through it. And you guys wouldn't know on your end, but it was very frustrating on ours. Yeah, love conquers all, Brian. Anyway, <laughs> so we mentioned in the last episode that Radiolab can spend upwards of $100,000 per episode, and people sort of thought that came out of nowhere. Uh, That wasn't a criticism of Radiolab. I think it's worth every goddamn penny. It's the best podcast out there for my money. Yep. All I was saying was that it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. And we don't have a staff, and we certainly don't have that sweet, sweet public radio money. No, we don't. We'd love it. But we don't. I mean, that was kind of a joke. Public radio is criminally <laughs> is criminally underfunded. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But by the way, we're thinking of setting up a Patreon account or maybe selling some sort of Real Footnotes merch, like coffee mugs, T-shirts, or something like that. We'll keep you updated. Yeah, it's not exactly expensive to make these episodes, but it's not totally free either. And it would be nice to be able to offset some of those costs. Okay, moving on. Let's read through some reviews. We're a bit light on iTunes reviews so far this month, but remember, we'll read out any five-star reviews that we get, even if you call us assholes, pricks, or whatever piece of shit. I mean, don't give them ideas, Brian. (laughs) That's enough, right? All right. I'm I'm just telling the truth. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the only five-star review that we've actually received so far this month came from Raffolution Betrayed in the UK, and they said... Listen to this for the adverts alone. When I read the episode topics, my reaction is usually meh. But when I actually listen to the podcast, I completely change my mind. New angles and debates suddenly spring to life. 
Great work. That's a really nice review. Yeah, it's I a like great that. review. Yeah. I'm glad people are appreciating the ads. We actually take a lot of time yeah. to think of them. Thinking of them is the hardest part. Right. Like, b- by far. Yeah, putting them together is not that difficult, but yeah, thinking them up. No. Uh, and so we put, as you can tell, with some of them, we've put a lot of thought for us, with others, not as much. Yeah. But, <laughs> but speaking of the ads, remember a second ago when we said we needed money? Sponsor us. <laughs> okay. So, uh, message received about the written descriptions. Moving forward, we'll try to spice them up a bit. Maybe even go back and give past ones a facelift. Yeah, we really appreciate any sort of construction. We don't appreciate construction. We have established (laughs) we don't appreciate construction. (laughs) Yeah. So, we appreciate any constructive criticism that you might be able to give us. We just want to make the show better. Okay, now that those are out of the way, I want to talk a little bit about the last episode for a moment and sort of peel back the curtain a bit about how we actually piece these stories together. Even though it may not seem like it, when we make these episodes, we always have to leave tons of stuff out and make choices about what information makes the cut. Last episode, we described how Fritz Auber's process of atmospheric nitrogen fixation changed the world, and it certainly did. But the technology took a while to spread, and alternative sources of nitrates continued to dominate the market until after the Second World War. Right, and no listener actually criticized the way we portrayed the significance of the Auberbosch process. But when Brian interviewed Greg Cushman, who's an environmental historian at the University of Kansas, Greg set the record straight. Now, I'm not going to rain on your parade about Auberbosch being important, but I'd love to contribute some insights and also putting it in context with other ways in which concentrated nitrogen sources have been produced because it's, I think there's a lot of exaggeration about what Haber-Bosch is. The thing that got me into this was my total frustration with the way that uh, Anthropocene scholars and Great Acceleration scholars were talking about nitrogen. Their data was terrible. They thought everything began with the Haber-Bosch process. Haber-Bosch process is important, um, but um, a teleological way people tend to portray Haber-Bosch because there were many, many different, were and are many other ways in which uh, concentrated nitrogen has been produced both industrially and from biospheric uh, con- contexts. So Greg Cushman basically said that the Auber process doesn't tell the whole story. He said it offers a tempting teleological way to understand the history of nitrates, which is a fancy way of saying history interpreted as an inevitable march towards some specific end. In this case, Auber-Bosch, but most famously the Sonderweg. What, what, what is that? You know, the, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. No? The Sonderweg or the special path. It was like this idea that... Uh, Germany's political and cultural arrangements meant that it was inevitable that something like National Socialism would come about eventually, right? It's an interpretation that takes a particular set of events, in this case Nazism, and looks backwards to find the reasons it was inevitable. It's tempting and almost an intuitive way to see the past, but it's not good professional history. We're supposed to be attuned to contingency and nuance. So that idea, the Zonderweg, isn't widely believed anymore. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, so that's a really interesting and totally valid critique. Yeah, we understood Greg's point, but again, we had to make choices. Sometimes those choices were useful ways to heighten the story's drama, and sometimes they were meant to simplify complex ideas or things like Brian's Sunni state shorthand, which Chris Phillips called out in our last minisode. Exactly. We'll always try to acknowledge them, but it's important to remember that history is storytelling. And any time that we impose narrative structure on an endlessly complex past, we're continually deciding what's in and what's out, what's emphasized, and what's marginalized. And what's marginalized is exactly what this podcast is about. 
footnotes. So for our next episode, we're going to let Greg Cushman rain all over our Fritz Auber parade. For all the times that you rain on my parade. And look at a couple of pre-Auber sources of nitrates that are found mostly in South America. So guano in Peru and Chilean saltpeter in obviously Chile. And the next episode is directly a footnote from our last episode. These two are linked. Right. So it's just a sequel, uh, which are inevitably never as good as the first iteration of whatever the film or book or whatever, except for maybe The Empire Strikes Back, which I think is indisputably the best film in the whole series. Absolutely. Anyway. Like Empire Strikes Back, we're going to try our best to beat expectations. We're particularly interested in how these countries dealt with massive economic changes, like the rise of a cheaper alternative or the exhaustion of a major resource. Then we'll discuss some ideas about how single resource-driven economies can be insulated against these kinds of possibilities. So I'm pretty excited because we're going to do almost an entire story about shit. So prepare yourself for an avalanche of profanity, Brian's dad. Or maybe I should say a fuck ton of obscenities. And a decent amount of toilet humor, I'm sure. But maybe our history and culture have become a little too sanitized. I mean, that's why we're going for the hard (laughs) R or the explicit rating for this podcast. And maybe we need to talk a little more shit in our discourse. Here's Greg Cushman again. The way that historians had tended to talk about guano in the past was purely in terms of the strategic commodity. And no one ever had really sat down to, to think about, well, what does it mean that this stuff is actually excrement? The fact that nobody had asked the question, well, what is the significance of the fact that it's excrement we're talking about? The reason no one had asked that question is because modern industrial civilization has been obsessed with reading our uh, urbanized environment of excrement, hiding it in water closets and flushing it away, uh, making it uh, improper to talk about, that it's impolite to talk about excrement. Um, and uh, back in the early 19th century, being able to smell the manure you're putting on your field provided as a farmer, rich or poor, provided you valuable information about the value of the substance. And in the process of creating new fertilizers that didn't have a smell, farmers lost the uh, former interest that they'd had in, um, in excrement too. So we're going to follow Greg's lead. And next episode, we'll try to put the shit back in history. drunk were when we made that <laughs> i have no idea that was <laughs> very <laughs> oh man that's great okay anyways check your podcast feed on november 6th for batshit crazy oh and jk rawlings we saw your tweet we coined the phrase what the fuck are you talking about you hufflepuff <laughs> <laughs>